Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to Wildcast Studios for another episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, I am your host, Adam, and I am joined by your favorite co-hoster, Mr. Jeremy Boucher, you have recovered from a full household, I see. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, no Danny Tanner uh, <laughs> in my household this weekend, but uh, yeah, had some had some visitors. Uh, the yeah. sisters-in-law were the si- si- sisters? Yeah. Sisters-in-law, yeah. Sisters-in-law. Yeah. Uh, Sister-wives? In- no, sisters-in-laws. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, they were in from Ontario. Took over your household? They did, and um, same time, brother-in-law was up and father-in-law was up too, so... Yeah, she was pretty packed inside our, our little small humble <laughs> abode, but uh, uh, made it through. I think I probably put on about 15 pounds over the weekend. Yeah, so. the way you were describing the food you were eating. Yeah. Homemade pizza. Homemade pizzas and bocce IHOP. Italia, IHOP, uh, little snack foods here and there. Yeah. yeah, so it was a lot of uh, consumption of uh, food, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to, we're doing like a seven-day fast or diet just to get ready to go back just to go back to ontario (laughs) to fill ourselves up again so uh that'll be interesting uh we'll see if i can drop a few pounds by uh next wednesday good thing you have a job that uh you have to walk around quite a bit yeah now that it's not really cold but ten thousand steps a day no not that much maybe five (laughs) thousand the most but still no it does uh lots of exercise what i do it's the same family you're going to see in ontario right it is yeah Yeah, it is so it's uh you know it's yeah, I'll see him again in 10 days, so yeah. it's not no big deal for me, but of course, uh, the wife was yeah. bawling her eyes out, <laughs> as if she will never see them again, yeah. so um, we'll have to, I'll have to make do with that for and, a few days. And then by the time you get home, or why, when you got home after recording on Monday, I'm assuming she was on FaceTime with them again daily, and... Yep, I swear <laughs> to God, they FaceTime about five times a yeah. day. Uh, the phone is, my phone constantly rings, because I'm in that... That family chat chat as well. So, uh, yeah, it's constantly, constantly ringing. It's always them. They always talk. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's out of control. Yeah, well, that's the the time of year we're in. As you can see, we're Christmified. We're ready to go on the YouTube. And uh, I leave in in about 10 days to go back to Alberta. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, I got less anxiety to get on a plane than I do to actually arrive in that province. Uh, my little town is uh, is a very small little town that believes in certain things, and uh, I will be masked up uh, no matter what because you know what I got to come back here and work. So, yeah. but I, I don't care about going to see other people. Uh, I'm just going home to see my family. I haven't seen them since January 2020, and so it's. Uh, I don't care what happens in this province. I'm leaving for Alberta. Yeah, exactly. I'll be back. But I'm leaving for Alberta. Yeah. The nice part is, is they can tell us that we're not allowed to travel. But once you're inside an airport, you're yep. inside a federal jurisdiction. Yep. So the provincial government can go, yep. yeah, I'm not, you know, fill in the and blanks unless here. Unless you want to refund my flight. Exactly. And, uh, well, give me more for the emotional stress. I'm heading on that plane. Mm-hmm. We got a jam-packed show as it is our Christmas episodes. Because while we're gone... We got some mega episodes coming, so we're jamming it all in. Uh, Mass Singer update: I don't know if you were able to watch with your family down. Uh, Banana Split was finally revealed as David Foster, Catherine McPhee. I really don't have any idea who she is, other than on American Idol. I know David Foster was pretty big producer. Uh, you figured it out early on, I believe. You were on with uh, Jenny. It looked like everybody in the panel except for Robin had that first impression guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's now Queen of Hearts uh, versus the Bull for the Golden Mask tonight. Um, I mean, yeah, you, do you know who Catherine McPhee is? No idea. Cool. <laughs> you no just knew idea. that, you just knew that that could be them. I, w- I was just going with the, um, the panel, with the panel yeah. that, and you know, 
I think I said five weeks, five or six weeks ago that it's not often that Jenny sounds super, you know, confident in yep. one of her first guesses. So I was, uh, I, I stood by it. Yep. No, it's, uh, I just don't know who I want to win like, or who I want to be revealed first. Like, I think I want, I think Queen of Hearts is going to win, but it's mm-hmm. such a popularity contest that if the bull has a very good performance tonight, he, he most likely could win too. But I, I'm pulling for Queen of Hearts who, I've said from day one is Jewel. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Jewel probably has the the leg up in terms of voice, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the bull just brings a, a different energy. Uh, so that's and I think that's what sometimes it's it's the energy of a performance yeah. that wins that, that wins. <laughs> I mean, you remember the giant tiger, Rob Gronkowski, Gronkowski right? He was just, a terrible he, yeah. singer. The but it, banana too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they, 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 if they bring energy to their performances, yeah. they'll vote for energy over over voice. So uh, it'll be an interesting final. Looking yep. forward to it. All right, as always, uh, when we head to our respective provinces, you can follow us on Twitter, Moncton Wildcast, Instagram, Wildcast Podcast, TikTok now, which i got to get back on. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on the YouTube. Uh, no quick question because we've got a jam-packed show, so we're going to quickly go to some news and notes from around the queue. News and notes from around the queue. So the uh, Team Canada roster was announced. Uh, four players from the QMJHL, uh, Maverick Bork, Xavier Borgo, Luca Cormier, and uh, Elliot Denoye are selected to that group. Joshua Waugh is not. Uh, Lapierre he'll, he'll is not. Ne- yeah. Joshua Waugh will make it next yeah. year. Um, Lapierre. Lapierre was a bit of a surprise. Well, yeah. That's... Hasn't done I'm, much since he got to Bathurst. No, and I think that's part of it too. Is yep. he played well in the NHL, but he also didn't hasn't done much coming back to Bathurst. Mm-hmm. So um, didn't help us all. That didn't help his cause, you know, with his with his performances so far up there. So uh, that wasn't much of a surprise to me. William DeFore, I mean, don't even he was know, a long shot to me. Don't even know why he got invited. <laughs> um, no offense to him, but uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I think the four obvious players from the queue. Got their spots. Yep. Uh, I wasn't sure about Denoyer, uh, but uh, glad he got it. And uh, yeah, like our guest in a little bit is going to say, he's kind of that Swiss Swiss Army knife. Yeah. And when you're playing for Team Canada and you may be on that bubble, if you can do a lot of things, they're going to have scores. Um, you know, they're going to have guys that can put the puck in the net. Denoyer is the perfect third line center that can shut down uh, on that team. I, I haven't really looked at the roster, but he's the perfect third down center on that team that is good in a 200 foot game. Is versatile, yeah, right, and that's what's going to help him yeah. out. He can play top minutes. He can play, you know, top six. He can play bottom six. Uh, he's going to be a very uh, useful player. Uh, probably someone that they'll use in like uh, I don't know if he'll be a thirteenth forward, uh, but uh, he's he's going to get some playing time for sure. No, I feel like as much as the media wanted him there, I feel like a Connor Bedard might be your thirteenth forward because once you get him there, you know, he's going to adjust. He's going to play really well, and he he dominates the WHL, but you know, he is 16, and so he'll be. It's, I can't remember who I saw the tweet from, but it was like, it's easy to put Connor Bedard on the roster. Now, finding a spot for Connor Bedard on the roster makes it a little bit more difficult. But if he's on there, he's uh, he's quite an impact player for sure. Um, a trade in the queue the Wildcats uh, sent Nicholas Sheehan to Blainville for a 2023 8th. He needed playing time, he deserved playing time, and he ended up getting a win against Sherbrooke in overtime. We're not going to talk much about it because it's going to be brought up later in the show. 
<laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, that's in the uh, the Q segment, and uh, let's get to the Weekly Rewind. Weekly Rewind. The Wildcats split the two games uh, this past weekend, bringing the record to 13-9-3-1 for 30 points. Just like that, uh, now fifth in the Maritime Division and eighth in the East. Uh, we get to Friday night's game against the Gold Diggers, as we called them last week. Um 4-3 victory. This was, you know, the last game as much as they couldn't find that next level that mm, that we talked about uh, that uh, last week. They found it this week. Uh, a complete game from the team for the most part. Um, a couple legs in the second period, but one of the better home games I've seen in the, in the past little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the turning point, obviously, early on was uh, Tomas Couture making the penalty shot save. He doesn't make that, and... Maybe Valdor, in their first game, off the bus, finds their legs. Uh, they get that early one, and Moncton's kind of on their heels. He makes that big save on, I can't remember who it was on, but uh, makes that big save, and Moncton comes away with a 5-3 victory. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it's it's not, uh, I guess, probably too early in the game to call it a turning point. Yep. Uh, because, you know, we Moncton got off to that 2 nothing lead, but then Valdor tied it up, so I wouldn't, I'm not going to go as far as saying it's a turning point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that kind of set the tone for, for Couture the whole game. Uh, whereas, you know, you make a big save like that early and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the zone. Uh, you got your, you got your mojo, I guess you want to put, you call it that. Uh, so, so there was, you know, that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad it went our way and, uh, yeah, fortunate enough we to, to get a couple points in this, uh, in this game because it was, uh, you know, it was, you give up that early girl, early, early goal, uh, early in the second period, and you know early goals can really, uh, you know, be backbreakers. Second uh, and third. Yeah, exactly right. So you know, seventeen seconds in uh, the second period, less than a minute in the third. Um, so those can easily be backbreakers. But you know, the team kind of held their own. Uh, it's got performances from you know players that you know wouldn't usually put up points, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's my. Uh, the, the tell, tell me, me something, something good, good about oh. the game is that uh, it's you know you 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 got a couple goals from Alexi Daniel yeah um, you you got a goal and an assist from Miles Mueller uh, you got a goal from Mathis Cloutier and um, that's what well, tell me something good <laughs> I forgot he sent that oh there yeah that's right yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so that is jo- Johnny from Bathurst yeah. <laughs> who apparently has become our our singer our new singer yeah. um, Almost his his voice is is you know that song is is right up there with the with Bradley Cooper's voice yeah. in that vo- in that song with him and Lady Gaga. Honestly, when he said that, I thought that's Tell what he was going to say. Something, girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I totally forgot we had that soundbite. So um, fits fits in perfectly for this part of the uh, yep. of the review. But no, it's always good when you can get uh, you know some points from from some guys who. You know, don't usually hit the score sheet. I know you got a goal from from Kamikov, but you know you got two from Daniel, you got one from Mueller, you got one from Kluche. That's your you know if you're gonna win, uh, you're gonna need some secondary scoring and prime example. Yep, couple returns to the lineup too. Payvan was in uh, on that third line with uh, Stewart and Daniel, um, and Loshing was in in the top six. Makes. I was a little surprised he was on the top line. I thought they'd keep that uh, OJ Kalmakov, LaBelle line together. Uh, but he just he gives that extra level of speed. 
Um, he's always dangerous in the offensive zone. A few times he had the puck in the slot, um, turned around, fired it right away. Um, so he made he made his uh, not his debut, but his return to the lineup. Um, and then you get into Sunday, and like I said on the the live post game show, this team just hates playing Sundays at uh, four o'clock. They're one two one, one two zero oh, and one. Um, they're not always great. I mean, they came out, they got the win against Schwinnigan. This was a much like the game on uh, November 6th, just kind of a boring hockey game. Um, like they, I can't, I think it was Olsen that was quoted in Sean's article, like a playoff style, defensive style game. That's exactly what it was. Um, a couple miscues. I mean, I know Prishepov, uh, his first goal, he goes right by Thomas Auger and uh, I want to say Sammy Long name uh, to get that one, making it one nothing. Uh, Sevigny goes, uh, Pierre Olivier Wall goes down the wing, spins, uh, Pavin loses him, kind of gets lost in the shuffle in front of the net. Uh, Sevigny's got a, walks in top of the slot. I don't think Philly on saw it. Um, I mean, situational awareness on the empty net goal. <laughs> like, like I said on the live, like, I, I don't know if he maybe forgot that Philly on was out or what, but usually when you got, when you got a guy coming back, um, just attack the guy with a puck. If that's a two-on-one with Philly in the net, Iasenza played that beautifully. Yep. Couldn't have played that two-on-one better. Took the pass away, gave Philly on the shooter. The only problem is Philly on was on the bench watching the shooter <laughs> and wide open net. I mean, that's a, a learning thing. You know, I, I, I kind of joked to Layla. I was like, and this was nothing against the guy. Of all the people in the slot with a puck on the stick with a chance to win the game, it's the guy who hasn't scored in three years. And at the email, it just kind of skips off. I mean, you hope that he's the guy that gets it and it's a feel-good first cue goal. It's a tire, but it's just like, ah, of course it bounces off that guy's stick. Uh, ends up going down the net. But um, just it's another Sunday effort that just wasn't quite there. Yeah, uh, it's one of those win, win some, you lose some. Yeah. And, uh, it was a defensive game. Uh, you know, there's I, I have no, uh, no faults here. Uh, you know, it sucks to see... A couple players here that are in the minuses on the Moncton side that you you hope wouldn't be in the minus side. You know, it's uh, DeGrossier was on nice for two for he's a minus two and and you know, Brooklyn Kalinkov was a minus one. You don't you know, those are players that you shouldn't you'd hope wouldn't be a minus and um, but they are and it's, it's just one of those win some and you lose some mm-hmm. and um, so there's not much for me to take away from this game uh, if I were to. Um, you know, uh, but tell me something good. Yeah, if I I'm gonna give you that drop so you can hit the button so I don't interrupt that's you. That's okay. That's <laughs> uh, okay. You know when it's coming in most of yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, this one here is Philion was really good. Yeah, uh, Philion played really well, uh, which is which is good. I mean, he's eventually he's going to get the majority of the starts. We thought that was going to happen this year, but uh, we we've had the emergence of uh, of Couture here, who's taken the number one and. Which good on him? Kind of, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's he's he's a free agent, so I yep. mean, you got a trading period coming up. Uh, this is Thomas Couture could easily be, you know, you think of a team that just wants a reliable backup. Yep. You know, and you've you've turned uh, someone who's only been in the league for uh, you know three months into into an asset and. Um, but that's, you know, that might be something that we, we are discussing in a couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to happen, but you no. never know. Um, but there's a team we talked to, talked to about last week Yeah, that could use a backup goaltender 
on the cheap. You know, right. they don't have a lot of assets in Charlottetown. That's that's found money if you're if you're it able is. to flip Thomas Couture uh, and do something, even a twenty twenty three or twenty twenty three eighth mm-hmm. seventh whatever. That's found money, and that gives Philly on like, hey, this is yours. No matter what happens, it's yours. And we get one of the young kids coming up. I'm with you. I don't see it because I don't know of a backup we can bring in mm-hmm. that can give Philly on the nights off when we need it, especially in the three and fours and and stuff like that. And you're not trying to tank because you want to stay out of the bottom five. But um, I, I'm like you. I don't see it happening. But that's an example of found money that our GM turns a, a free agent into an asset. Yeah, exactly. And it's like we saw it, um, you know, when uh, a couple of years ago, um, we traded Lavalleta Schwinnigan to get some assets, yep. right, that were then used in future trades. Yeah. Um, Charlottetown could easily do that with the Jacob Gooby, um, where they trade him to bring in some assets to use in a future trade. And then maybe you flip Couture to, to, to Charlottetown. Who knows? Yep. You know, it's just, we're just spitballing some things right yeah, here. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you want to get back to, our conversation last week about Charlottetown, that's easily something that you, you look at it and, and could very well be something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, this was, I mean, Philly was good. He was, um, made some key saves. I think if, if it wasn't for him on a few occasions, I don't think this game was close. And, uh, that's, that's all you can ask for when you, when you go in as a, as a goalie is just, you know, play your, play your, play your best and, and, and give your team a chance to win. And I think that happened and he's not to be faulted on any, on any goal. No. Uh, you know, that first goal he was, I mean, it was just a defensive breakdown and, um, the press, uh, president's choice i'll call him uh um <laughs> that's the one uh <laughs> don't worry before i went live i was like prish prishep their russian euro we'll yeah, call it yeah uh, just you know <laughs> president's choice i don't know love just, it just took a you yeah. know, beautiful dangle yeah. and uh yeah some guys shoot that and philion's right there yeah. he ended up having a little bit of extra and, time and then you have sibing Yi, who probably shot the puck 100 miles an hour and i don't I, think uh, philion saw it i think it i think paven might have tipped it as well on yeah. the way in uh, and you know, Sivini is probably one of the top, uh, you know, overage defensemen that are going to be available in the trade period. So he's um, he's someone that's probably going to be the move and could very well have been his last goal if we all if you know as a member of the TIG. So we'll we'll see what happens. But no, it's Filion was good. Yeah, no 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 fault of his on either goal. And I uh, just hope he he brings it uh, in his next start, which you got to think will be tonight. Looking at this, because uh, I was well done on the lead in. So we get into the preview. Uh, some yeah. things, sometimes things just work out. We got Cape Breton, St. John, and Halifax in the next three. Those are going to be our three guests here in a little bit. Um, you know, you got Cape Breton tonight, uh, and then St. John, Halifax on Friday, Saturday. You know, I kind of said in the live, I be- I would believe you know Thomas Couture is the number one right now. Um, so. You're playing Philly on against Cape Breton, and you're you're letting Thomas Couture go back to back unless things in St. John get out of hand. We've made goalie predictions on this show before, and yep. they've never been right. No, we're about twenty five percent. So, you know, if Couture gets a start here, doesn't it wouldn't surprise me. No, um, but I think Philly on played well enough to get the start. Um, but like, I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I'm. Yeah. They're probably going to go back to Couture uh, and maybe give, you know, Philly the this the, the Saturday game for all I know. I have no idea. No. But, um, 
I just it feels like uh, early November when I, I I thought maybe Philion would play against Baycomo and get that positive, mm-hmm. get that you know work on a um, what am I trying to say here? Continue on a on a good path. He played against Victoriaville, played well, didn't get the win, but he played well enough. Kate Bratton maybe gets a win. That's a good confidence booster, knowing that he may get more starts in the second half. So it's there's it's such a tight division that it's it's good that we're gonna get this kind of a test. And I don't know about you, but I'm gonna do you feel like these losses, as much as they suck, are kind of the perfect time to have? Because when we were second in the division and everything was going right and you know we talked about is there a chance you know you leave this team and everything's going well now it kind of seems like Moncton's coming back to where they should be everything's kind of settled into where we are we're getting a few surprise wins down the stretch this the losses as much as they suck are good losses at this time to kind of yeah this is still a rebuilding team we're gonna have to move three or four players in a week and a half yeah, I mean it's 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 not a bad not a bad take. Uh, obviously, you know it's um, according to our, our buddy Andrew Barrington, we're, we're we're not as advanced in our rebuild. No, as, we're still as, behind as yeah. the uh, the Cape Breton Eagles. Yep. So um, we're you know according to him, we've got some work to do. Yeah, uh, and it's it's everything's everything everything's uh, fine in, in in Eagles land. So yeah. uh, we will uh, we'll see. It's uh, yeah, there's there's there, you can have that sense that they're kind of starting to come down to earth. Yeah. And which is fine. It was, uh, I think the key here was to get off to a good start in the first half, uh, get some points and, you know, kind of establish yourself as, uh, as a team that's tough to play against. And they've done that. Uh, and I don't see that changing in the second half, you know, the, the goal differentials might be a little different. Uh, and, but at the same time, we've, we've said that many times, Mm -hmm. we said that last year where if they compete hard, but they're blown out seven to one, we can't be tough on them. No, uh, I fully expected some some of these <laughs> games last year to to not even be close, but they they were in almost every one of them, and they've been the same this year. So, and um, when they do get blown out, they come back the next yeah, night, and they're just as they either get a victory or they're just as tough in a loss. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we could we could sit here and say the second half is going to be tough, uh, but <laughs> they're they're probably going to exceed expectations anyways. So. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll be the judge of that in, in, in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, cause we, right after the period, it's, uh, Halifax, Charlottetown, Charlottetown, St. John. So it's not, uh, those Good are Lord. out of those four games, two of those teams are buying in those four. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough test, uh, right off the hop, right after the trade deadline, which I would say trade deadline, trade period, same thing. Um, so you know what? We're right chatting about that we know who we're facing the next week we know who we're going to be facing after so let's uh let's go to a view from the other bench view from the other bench so yeah i mean things work out perfectly in different ways uh we're gonna go view from the other bench last time last week we had aiden on from charlottetown this week we got one of our opponents this week the voice of the halifax mooseheads Gareth McDonald joining us uh, to talk about the trade period. First of all, welcome in, and uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, fellas. How are you? We're hanging in. Yeah, we're, doing well, doing well. Yeah, getting some wins, and we're we're hanging in. Glad to hear it. So, I mean, obviously, the, the first question, I'll just uh, get her out of the way here. Elliot Denoyer, who we're familiar with, you're obviously familiar with, is going to wear the red and right for Canada. Just um, talk about the, what that means to him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I had a good conversation with him before he left. And, and uh, you know, he he talked about, uh, I guess, I, I had asked him, you know, what was the World Junior experience like in his house growing up? You know, a lot of families, obviously, it's their big tradition. They watch it over Christmas. And he yeah. said, obviously, that was the, the story for him. But, uh, you know, even last year, they were they were hanging around watching the World Juniors. And each year, the Denoyer family does a, uh, like, a family wish. Or, a, you know, everybody does a wish for the upcoming year. And he basically said, you know, next year, I'm going to be, playing in that tournament so uh no it's really cool to see that come come to fruition and uh you know all all year long i guess since the season started since that uh that canada uh, hockey canada selection camp the summer camp back uh i think it was back in july maybe um elliot took part in that you know i I noticed he's been wearing this hockey canada hat around uh you know before before games you know when he's uh, you know stretching out getting ready and I did ask him about it uh, back in October, and I said, "I'm gonna, you know what? Don't answer it. I'll, I'll talk to you hopefully when you get invited yeah. to the camp." But you know, he gave a great answer. You know, basically just said, "I'm the kind of guy I like to keep my dreams close to me. I, I like to see these little reminders, and you know, keeping this hat on it, uh, it kind of keeps me motivated." So I thought that was really cool. So yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Really jacked up for him. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, both fans in Halifax and Moncton are. Excited to have a piece of a guy that's uh, representing the country. Uh, and, you know, I, I used your term, Swiss knife kind of player. He can play up and down the lineup. So no doubt he'll have success. Looking at Halifax, looking at this division, I don't know if the fans in Halifax are thinking the Moose are where they should be. Uh, we're kind of, you know, excited for the wins we're getting. Just, I guess, talk about the first half of, of the Halifax season that uh, that you've been a part of. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think when you look at it, they're in a, I think they're in a pretty good spot. You know, I think it's it's roughly, I, I'd say, where we would have expected them to be. You know, in third place in the Maritimes Division. I mean, obviously heading into the year, uh, you know, St. John. I think a lot of people had some obviously high expectations for a team that was hoping to host the Memorial Cup in mm-hmm. 2022, and obviously they got awarded that tournament. So. Um, you, you knew that they were going to have a pretty good year. Charlottetown, uh, I mean, they've got an unbelievable team. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, as advertised, I think. And uh, Bathurst, of course, had that little shaky start. But, you know, I, I don't think it's the new coach bump for them right now. They're, yeah. I think they're starting to play the the kind of hockey that, that they should be playing and, you know, starting to surge up the standings a bit to, to where they should be. But, I mean, the Maritimes division, we knew it was going to be a dogfight, especially those top four teams. Obviously, Moncton, like you said, I mean, the Wildcats have made things extremely interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, where the Moose are at at, at this point, I'd say it's it's about, where, it's about where we would have expected them to be. And I think that the guys that have been, you know, doing the damage for the team, it's, you know, no surprise, obviously, to see Elliott Denoyer um, leading the scoring race right now. Jordan Dume had a phenomenal rookie season and uh you know he's only taken a few more steps this year and uh zach larue right in the mix as well who after his uh four game suspension the most recent one uh he's come back and you know he's been very dialed in very laser focused and you know even with uh elliot denoyer away at uh, at the hockey canada selection camp these past two games i thought that you know zach Zach LaRue really stepped up, and uh, a lot of guys, like Marcus Vitacek as well, really stepped up and played some phenomenal hockey in, in his absence. I guess on the stay on the subject of, of Zach LaRue, uh, obviously you get invited to to uh, you know the Team Canada camp. Um, 
do you, in your opinion, Gareth, was this more of an age thing, uh, or was this just a matter of uh, of just being there being too much depth across the country uh, for him to for him to get a spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be. Yeah, probably a, a bit of both. I mean, I, I I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I'm not sure how how big the camp is typically at this time of year, but obviously it, it's not a not a big camp, right? I think it was just. 30 35 players and invited to this so it is it is pretty small and uh you know the fact that uh he he is a first rounder sometimes those guys uh, you know they obviously would get the benefit of the doubt and you know kind of get that invite anyway um but i think just being 18 and you know that suspension i don't think helped them a whole lot either i mean let's face it i i think that uh you look at the past year and when, when Zach has been focused on playing hockey, he has been phenomenal for the Mooseheads. But I think that uh, I think that that you know that may have factored in there as well. I mean, I I, I don't know, but um, I, I did expect him to get an invitation. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I was thinking that he could be there, but it doesn't entirely shock me when you can when you consider the age, you consider how small that group is, and uh, yeah. So like I said, it wasn't uh, wasn't a complete shock. No, that makes. Uh, I'm kind of on. I have. I have to agree with you. I'm kind of on the on the fence on on both here, um, but uh, I guess we've got you on the show to, of course, talk about the the upcoming uh, trade period. Uh oh, it's GM hat time. Oh, GM hat time. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you can't spell GM without Gareth McDonald, right? So um, here we are with. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Free, I, feel free to use that line. Feel free yeah, to use that, that line. Was, uh, that's off the top of my head. So <laughs> well done, this, sir. This is uh, clearly the media training uh, coming into uh, into effect here. Uh, but no, yeah, we're talking about the trade period. Um, and uh, there's obviously some names on the moose heads that, uh, that pop out in terms of, of uh, obviously, Elliot Dinway is one of them. Um, there's... It seems to be pretty quiet around the league right now, uh, but one of them, one of the rumors that just pops off the page all the time is, is him heading to uh, to St. John. Um, if uh, if that were to to go down, how do you, how do you see it uh, benefiting both teams uh, in in uh, I guess in the second half of the season into the playoffs? Yeah, I, I mean that would be that would be very interesting because you you know you wonder what the obviously what what is the return it, you know it's so so often I mean we. We obviously saw it when when Elliot Denoyer was traded to the Mooseheads. You know, it wasn't right away. You know, it didn't happen until until uh, the draft the following season. You know, after the the regular season had wrapped up. So I, I think that in terms of any deal that that goes down, you know, in, involving a a contending team, be it the the St. John Sea Dogs or I mean, let's face it. I'm sure the Charlottetown Islanders would love to add Elliot Denoyer to to their team as well. Yep. And that's that is if we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves either. That's if, in fact, Cam Russell decides to to sell. But I think when you look at uh, when you look at the way the Mooseheads are constructed right now, really built around strong drafts in 2020 and 2021, next season or the year after would probably be a little more logical for. Uh, the Mooseheads to to really make a push for it, and you know I think if you you make a trade like that, if you you send Elliot Denoyer to to one of those contending teams, then obviously that return is uh, going to be a, a big benefit there. Looking at a, at a run next year or or the season after, like I said, per, perhaps both. But uh, yeah, all, all of this to say that obviously you know whoever 
gets Elliot Benoit if that is in fact what happens. I mean, he's a he's a player. We mentioned Swiss Army Knife earlier. I mean, he can play pretty much anywhere in the lineup. You know, he can be your top center. He can he can play on the wing if if need be. If you are deep down the middle, obviously, I, I think he should be in one of those. Uh, you know, he could be your top center. Could certainly center your second line, but. Uh, play in any role. I mean, he can, he can kill penalties. He can be on your top power play unit. Uh, he's a player that really can do it all. You know, he's a 200 foot guy that, that has a, you know, great vision out there, high hockey IQ. He, he can make plays. He can finish. He really can do it all. I've been so impressed with him over the last few seasons. So, you know, if it is, if it is St. John, then uh, certainly he'd be a, a major boost to that team. I think that the, the sea dogs, you know, it's obviously been tough, I think, for, for St. John over the last few seasons, you know, with the pandemic shutting things down in, in 2019, 2020. You know, that it's a group that heading into this year, I mean, they really, there's not a lot of playoff experience at all for mm-hmm. the Memorial Cup hosts, right? They're built mm-hmm. around that 2018 draft core. And, and I know there's, you know, there's been some pretty low times in, in the Port City over the past few seasons. So I think that you know, bringing in a player like that, like, like Elliot Denoyer could certainly help uh, build upon a, a very positive culture. You know, I think he's, he's a guy that could really come in and, uh, and help out a dressing room like that. And uh, that, that would be certainly another benefit of, of uh, yeah, his acquisition for, for them. And then, uh, like I said, Charlotte down as well. I think that, uh, you know, talking with Corey Arsenault there, the color commentator over there. I'm not sure if you guys have had Corey on before. I mean, he, yep, I preseason. That, he, yeah, he's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty high on, uh, pretty high on Elliot Denoyer and, you know, really says that, uh, you know, thinks that the, the trade market drops off uh, a lot once you take his name out of that equation. So, I mean, Charlottetown would pretty much be unstoppable, I think, if they were to, to make that deal. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, I suppose. Yeah, you talk about the 2019-2020 drafts. I mean, you got why not? He, Halifax went back to the well with a Crosby and a McKinnon. Um, you know, or you, you've built a draft, and you know Cam's got uh, our first this year, uh, second, third, fourth, uh, first, second, third, fourth next year. Um, where is Halifax in turn? Like, is it just Noya that could be leaving this club, or do you see? A Beauregard for depth in in a team uh, in in a team in this division or in Quebec, um, you know, I I won't put words in your mouth, but I've said a, a Zach Larue to Shawinigan makes a ton of sense for that club. Um, do you see kind of a, a mini retool, I guess, and and add more drafts because he's had such a, a couple successful drafts, or is it a you know kind of a like he didn't do anything last year, so it's a very interesting uh, trade period for him. Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, I, I'm not sure that I anticipate anything like that. I, I you know, I, I think that there obviously the potential exists for Elliot Denoyer to be on the move. We're talking about a player who's already uh, signed, you know, 19 year old yeah. season. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's a guy that spent pretty much the entire offseason down in Philly. You know, that that organization super high on him. So, yeah, he's obviously done. So I think uh, done in the, in the Quebec major junior hockey league after this season. So, you know, he's on the move. Uh, Zach LaRue, like I said, I, I think that, you know, next year is uh, probably one of those years in which the moose could, could really go for it. And I, th- I think that, uh, I don't know, not to, um, yeah, 
read too much into uh, Cam Russell's mind, but I, I would think that he wants uh, Zach LaRue to be a part of the program next season, right? right. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously you'd like to see him in the mix there. If you do try to uh, make a big push for it. Uh, I think that also one of the things that, you know, Cam has talked about before, it's, he doesn't like to, you know, doesn't like his teams too young, right? You, you, you need some, some veteran leadership on the teams. You need some, some older, older skilled guys there as well. So I think, uh, you know, obviously they have been building here through these, tw- the, through the 2020 and uh, 2021 draft, but you still have your, your Cam Wynots and your Zach LaRue's that next year, I think, uh, you know, will really be leaders on this Mooseheads team and, you know, right. could, yep. could really help uh, steer the ship next season. All right, we'll wrap we'll wrap it up here, Gareth. But one last one from me. Uh, you said earlier that you think you know uh, Elliot Elliot Dunoyer to Charlottetown would be kind of a perfect fit. Um, what's another perfect fit that you see? Doesn't have to involve the Mooseheads necessarily, but uh, you know, a player on a specific team going to another team. What's what's your another perfect fit that you see uh, after the trade period? Oh, that's a that is a great question. You're you're putting me on the spot here. I mean, I. I think if we're just to stick with uh, with Danoye for a for a minute, I mean, obviously, I think outside of St. John and, and Charlotte down there are just so many contending teams. I think that would probably be in the mix for for his services. I mean, uh, a Quebec, uh, a Shawinigan, a Sherbrooke. I mean, uh, Sherbrooke's having quite a year, and you know, you look at that roster, and it's uh, after Joshua Waugh and, and Xavier Perron. It's uh, you know, kind of remarkable. I mean, there's not a lot of huge names that could jump off the, the page to you right there. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what they do that team in Shawinigan. We've seen them a couple of times this season. And uh, I, I think it's, it, once you remove the top line, it, the, the, the roster on paper, it's, it's not, uh, it's not spectacular, but when you, when you have Xavier Borgo, Olivier Nadeau and uh, and Maverick Bork on your your top power play unit. I think that PP went seven for nine in the season series against the Mooseheads. That's a team that could definitely do some some damage. So I think you know if you, you bring in an Elliot Denoyer to a team like Shawinigan, that that is that's one that could be pretty interesting. I think in a, in a lot of ways the West, uh, you know, could be pretty wide open this year. And, uh, you know, if they, if they were to, to make a move like that, I, I think that things could get, uh, could get pretty interesting in the Western conference. I'm okay with that. Cause I picked him to go to the finals. So <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Uh, but yeah, no, Gareth, we appreciate you having a, having a chat with us for our media round table. It's not really a table cause there's a bunch of different calls, but, uh, man, we always uh, appreciate catching up with you and, uh, hopefully we'll do this in the second half, uh, again. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Great chatting with you guys. Thanks, Gary. Take care, buddy. All right. Cheers, Wallace. So, yeah, we could just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into everyone's conversation at the end, but we're going to get into uh, St. John now. Um, on the media round table, we bring in a friend of the show. Uh, we think we've narrowed him down to somewhere in New Brunswick. We're never sure where he's actually at because he's on the phone. Uh, Jamie Tozer of Station Nation and the Sea Dogs. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, well, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Uh, falling a little bit in the standings, but, uh, things are things as we fall, you continue to go up. Uh, just talk about this first half so far with the, with the sea dogs, kind of an up and down first half. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a, a rough start. Um, looked a lot like the team that we've seen the past couple of years. Um, but really after, you know, three, four weeks in, um, things definitely started to turn around. 
Um, really after that first Quebec road trip, um, you could really feel that things were starting to take a turn in a positive direction. Um, things looking a lot more structured, a lot more organized. Um, things are just sinking a lot more. Um, stuff that we've been hoping to see for two or three years now, and it's finally starting to come together. Um, but still, so, but like you said, still some ups and downs. Um, still not there yet. Um, the consistency is still an issue. Um, but definitely a lot of, of positive signs um, that we've been wanting to see from this core uh, moving forward. And uh, obviously, uh, we're probably going to see a different looking team after Christmas <laughs> and into the new year. What? So uh, we'll see what happens there. Well, you heard, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, uh, yeah. The St. John Sea Dogs <laughs> will, look will be buyers. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, it's. It, is that too hot of a take? <laughs> no, that's that's just uh, that's just cranking out the oven. It's funny, like when they got off to that tough start and you know things weren't going well. You looked at it and you're like, would they be buying if they weren't hosting the Memorial Cup? Like that question that I asked you early in the preseason, if if they didn't get the Memorial Cup because it took six extra months to find out, to, you know, would they? But they've kind of seven and two in the last. Um, they're kind of putting it together. I mean, Kuznetsov obviously was as uh, I've been told piece number one and the biggest uh, the biggest chip that uh, that showed up early. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Kuznetsov is is pretty much exactly what this team needed a big shutdown defenseman um, who can play a ton of minutes. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what he looks like um, as he gets more comfortable because he has such he has such an interesting. Um, career path to get to junior playing two years of college hockey and then having some AHL experience as well you know we don't see that type of experience come to this league too often so that's really interesting um the back ends looked better um still some rough nights but it's definitely looked a lot more structured um compared to what we've seen in the past but um you know scoring has been a bit of an issue as well even though um you know the numbers look decent um they're they're a little light in terms of scoring depth so i think that's definitely an area where they'll look to improve come the the holiday trading period um, and maybe move some of the guys who are uh, maybe on the second or third line and bump them down the lineup a little bit create a little bit more depth because um, i definitely think that um, scoring has been an issue and could be an issue moving forward um, especially where you want the defense core to focus more uh, on defense we were hoping to have uh, you and, and Gareth together, so I'd ask, I'd be able to ask this question. But I'm uh, not good with technology. Adam's not good with technology. Uh, but um, you know, things you know, rumor wise, things have been pretty quiet. Uh, but there's there's one that uh, always seems to come around, and that's uh, that would be Elliot Dinwiddie going to St. John. Um, so I asked Gareth, uh, you know, what sort of impact would that uh, does he feel that would have on, on both on both teams so I'll ask you the same question if that's something that were to happen um, how would this uh, how would this affect the sea dogs and 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 what sort of a return do you think it would it would cost uh, the team and uh, to, to acquire him yeah well, I definitely think that'd be a huge ad and I know that that's that's a target for the sea dogs which comes as no surprise for anybody. Um, but obviously helps with that offensive depth, which I think they lack. Um, you know, maybe he's not going to be, when you look at the Sea Dogs team, um, if Denoye joins, you know, maybe he's not the, the typical, you know, 1A type score you think of, but he's obviously a, a very high-end guy that's going to play uh, first or second line. Um, so that'd be a huge addition to the, t- to the team. Um, but I also think just, you know, the leadership that he brings as well. Um, he's got quite a bit of experience in junior 
Um, Captain Nina Moosehead is now he's with Team Canada. So I think, um, you know, adding that bit of uh, bit of culture to the team um, would be a huge add as well. Um, so, uh, you know, to be honest, I think that this will happen. I'll be kind of surprised if this doesn't happen, but uh, things could change. Um, the CEOs have tons of draft picks to work with, so I, I imagine there will be a few draft picks involved, um, and I wouldn't be surprised too if there's a player involved because uh, the CEOs have a few guys who are, are, are kind of in that Mooseheads um, age group who could help them next year, and I know the Mooseheads will probably be um, a pretty good team next year, so they could definitely use uh, some impact players. One player that uh, I kind of thought might be going there, and I know Aiden mentioned it because you guys got 7,000 draft picks in the next two years to use. Um, <laughs> Justin Robidoux, we just, we've seen him in the past month a couple times. Um, I don't know with your ear to the ground what you're hearing, but is there a, you know, St. John's going to add everyone and anyone possible and or be rumored to add anyone and everyone possible. Is Justin Robidoux a player that you're hearing could be a possibility in St. John and, and uh, follow up if you want to go this avenue instead. Uh, I don't know how long Pat Note's out, but do they look at uh, adding a goaltender in the in the short term, or is Pat Note going to be back uh, for a long a long run with Lemieux? I definitely think you know. I think they're looking at everybody, so I imagine they're looking into Robita. Um, the thing about him is like he's he's just he's a small forward, and I don't know if they need another small forward. Um, you know, they've got Reynolds, they got Lawrence, they've got Burns. Um, those are all small guys, so I just don't know if they need to add another player like that to this lineup. Um, and you look at the impact that um, Dufour has had, um, kind of the opposite of what you know Reynolds and Burns is, um, and it's been a huge, huge impact. So I kind of, kind of feel like they're maybe looking more at a Dufour type player, more so than um, a Robita. And you know, obviously, it's not there's not a lot of Dufours around, but um, I, I think that that they might not be looking for a player who's um, kind of already on their team. Right. Um, yeah, the goaltending has been interesting. Um, I don't know the status of Pat, no. Um, assuming he's healthy, I'd be pretty surprised if they add another goalie. Um, even though the goaltending hasn't been amazing and that was expected to be a pretty big strength of this team, um, I think they're comfortable moving forward with it. So something a little more recent that's actually we could uh, not necessarily be considered a rumor. Um, so last Saturday we had a tweet from Charles Willette saying the Sea Dogs made an offer for uh, Pure Dubay, and then um, obviously it's Monday night, and uh, this will be released on 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 Wednesday. But uh, Andrew uh, Zadonowski is saying that uh, Dubay's actually been released from from Trois Rivieres. So um, same with Matthew Fashon. Yeah, he retweeted as well. Yeah, and uh, so. If that's in fact happening, then the Sea Dogs will have to drop a twenty-year-old. It's not going to be Ryan Francis. Uh, are we then saying Christopher Innes? Because are they actually going? Because I don't think it's going to be Lemieux either, right? So, are we looking at if this is true? Is this going to be uh, Christopher Innes kind of on the outside looking in here? I do think Innes will be on the in, on the outside, uh, which is unfortunate because I think I know Innes is a well-liked guy, uh, both by the fans and the players. Um, um, a veteran guy who, you know, people like the way he plays, that physical style. Um, but this is just kind of the unfortunate things that come along with this go-for-it year. Um, I think Ennis's biggest flaws is foot speed, and it's been exposed a little bit over this first half. 
I think that's an area of concern. And this is a season when you don't want to look back in June or July and regret not, you know, making a move that you thought might improve this team. So I, I do think they'll look at uh, upgrading on Ennis, um, which again is, you know, kind of unfortunate, but um, um, I know the CEDAs have, have been looking around um, basically everywhere, <laughs> basically <laughs> everywhere on earth to see who's available um, to potentially improve this team. Um, and I think, you know, everyone can kind of connect the dots and I'm sure there's, there's strong interest in Dubé. Yeah. It's getting to a point where if certain people reach out to me and they're like, this person to the sea dogs, I'm like, and in other news, water is wet. So it's <laughs> exactly like it, it's Moncton in 2019. We're, you know, this is what you're, when you're going for it, especially when you're hosting, you're attached to every top line player. Um, I mean, I asked you this before the season started. We're now getting into the trade period. You are hosting the Memorial Cup. Is this is this regular season kind of a a success if you get bounced in the in the first round? Like, I mean, there's not a lot of playoff success or playoff players on this team. Um, what is the success like? Obviously, the goal is to win the whole thing, but what is the success for this ter- team in terms of just this season without the Memorial Cup? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, that's something that I haven't really spoken to the team about. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure their goal is to win the league as well. Um, but, you know, we've seen teams have kind of figured out how to win the Memorial Cup even after having a layoff. Oh, Windsor. Um, oh, Windsor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's not, it's, you know, having that break isn't really... Um, the disadvantage that I think we kind of traditionally viewed it as. Yep. Um, but you know, I think, I think if they didn't win the league or at least made the final, they'd be disappointed. Just make the playoffs. That's step one. That's step one. True. I, I, I will say I'll, I'd be pretty surprised that if they didn't make the playoffs, oh, look at that, a, a hot take to start the show and a hot take to just about end the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll wrap it up here. Here, Jamie. Uh, I, I know you just, uh, Couple, a minute, a minute or so ago, you said you said the Sea Dogs be looking everywhere for, for players. Uh, are we looking at another uh, Charlie uh, Coyle situation here this year? <laughs> I, you know, I know they're looking. They're looking everywhere. They're looking everywhere. They're looking in the pro ranks. Um, they're looking at college ranks. They're calling agents. Um, they're looking everywhere, um, which is <laughs> which is kind of funny given the amount of assets they have to trade with. I was gonna say you can uh, trade those assets. You don't have to get them for free. Come on, <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they if they got some of these guys for free, though, I mean, like it's kind of crazy to think about how quickly they could kind of turn this rebuild around. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. There's going to be a uh, an announcement here this weekend that uh, somehow the uh, the CHL it will be introducing uh, interleague trades, and uh, <laughs> Connor Bedard will be traded to the Sea Dogs. And, uh... <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> Just pay for his release from from uh, Regina and he should be fine. Experience yeah. Regina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. No, we uh, we appreciate you taking the time, and you know it's going to be a fun second half for for you guys. Maybe not so much uh, against you guys uh, for most of the division here, but um, yeah. Uh, thanks again for doing this, and uh, we'll have you on in the second half to see how things are going with the quote unquote new team you think we're going to have. Anytime, guys. All right. Thanks, Jamie. All right, and last but certainly not least, uh, friend of the show and uh, 
calling the game tonight against Cape Breton, Mr. Pat McNeil. Pat, how are you? Doing well, getting ready for this last stretch of games before Christmas. Hard to believe we're almost done the first half of the season. Without many issues. It's just a it's a weird time. It's a good time to be alive. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I reached out to you a couple weeks ago with the, the Grimes uh, just to get your thoughts on it. So we'll just start there. I mean, Cape Breton kind of, uh, you know, having a tough season to begin. And, and now the coach, uh, for personal reasons, and obviously we're going to hope everything's okay with him, just kind of go get your thoughts on that. Yeah, talk about a crazy situation. And really, you know, you hear it's personal reasons. So obviously there's a natural curiosity, but you're also want to respect the whole situation. And everybody's just kind of in the dark as to what happened. But it was uh, certainly an out of nowhere development. You know, we knew both Jake Rhymes, well, actually all three, Jake. Jake Grimes, Matt Anthony, and Chris Culligan, I believe they're in contract years, so it wouldn't have been shocking at the end of contract to see whether or not the team decides to go in another direction, but it ends up happening mid-season. So everybody's just kind of wondering what happened, and there's certainly an interesting discussion point, and now we're wondering what comes next. The organization was pretty open about the fact there wasn't going to be a new head coach in place before Christmas because that's a pretty, pretty tight turnaround. Now, how much this is a situation where they're trying to rush into another decision, we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to be talking to Jack Carrier in the next couple of days, so hopefully have a better insight as to what's going to happen. But yeah, certainly hasn't been a lack of things to discuss in Cape Breton, and it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with that head coaching position down the line. That was actually going to be my follow-up. Is it after Christmas, or is it ride the uh, the coaching staff you have now and start a fresh, start a new, um, rebuild everything again in, in, you know, off the ice, I guess it should be? Yeah, I guess a lot of that would depend on availability, too, because True. you can't control what coaches are on the market. So I'm sure that's a factor. Like, as I said, George Shaw was is the president. He come out and said there's not going to be any change until before Christmas. But that's kind of leaving it pretty open-ended, right? What happens after Christmas is still, I guess a lot of that would depend on how the team performs. Obviously, right after Jake was gone, you get the big win in Bathurst and then a frankly a horrendous stretch of three games but the team was able to rebound with a pretty good game in the game against Drummondville even if it was a loss so that's a factor it depends on what's out there in terms of available coaches you know what the mandate is in terms of how competitive the team expects to be coming into the trading deadline so there's a lot to, a lot of questions and not a lot of answers right now it seems <laughs> so we're here to talk about the trade period I know I, that's cool coaches are cool but uh, <laughs> we're here to, we're here to talk about you the gotta trade start period. in the first half yeah. you gotta start the that's first right. half up that's there, right, right? Yeah, well well, that's so uh, now we're in the trade. Now period. we're in so the go. trade period. Go. So here, here go. We're, we're gonna shoot. We're gonna shoot some. Uh, um, shoot, shoot some. I don't know. I'm, I, I shouldn't. It's uh, chew from the hip, but maybe sure. <laughs> uh, we'll put it that way. Um, obviously, uh, it's Cape Ryan's in a tough spot, um, and if they've got any, you know, players to to trade, that you'll you'll be selling them off if you want to put it that way. Um, I guess if my if I look at your roster, the most uh, intriguing player would be uh, someone like a Dawson Stairs, uh, who could be maybe go on to like a bottom six on a, on a contending team if you want to put it that way. Um, any other players that uh, y- you know you think other teams would be would be inquiring about on the on the Eagles roster? I'm sure, to be honest, there's probably a lot of players they're getting calls on because if you look at the team's roster, it, it is a younger group, but there's 
there's definitely talent there. He mentioned stairs for sure. And that's one of those that's not necessarily a no brainer because he can return next season. You look at the twenties, Sean LaRochelle. I think he's one of those players. And I know the Eagles haven't played the Wildcats a lot this year. He's one of those players in the Maritimes. I don't know if we really realized how good he was until he came to Cape Breton and you look at the Eagles roster and the Eagles lineup and the Eagles, um, sorry, the Eagles record, but he's missed a lot of games. He's been very valuable, but it all depends on what the markets are for twenties. If you're ever going to trade a 20 year old and rebuilding year, you've got to measure whether or not, the value you're getting back is worth what you're giving up in terms of how much leadership there is. So I'm sure that's a concern. Ivan Ivan obviously would be a big one. Now that's a bit different too, because he could come back as a 20 because he doesn't, he's not drafted, but you know, he certainly could get drafted in the off season. I'm sure you guys saw the goal that he scored against Drummondville on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Spectacular. Unbelievable. As I said on the air and I still, st- I stand by that comment. <laughs> uh, so he's going to be somebody that gets calls on. They'll get calls on for sure. Nicholas Gerard, 20 year old who can put the puck in the net. That's a bit of a tricky one because he missed so much time due to injury. Yeah, I guess the, one of the bigger X factors would be Jeremy Langlaw because you know, he's going to be back in the league next year as a 19 year old. You know, he's a late birthday, so even if he gets drafted, he could potentially be in the league at 20. So you're kind of really projecting far away. I'm sure people will call just because of the situation, but, you know, you have to measure again what you're going to get for him versus how long he's likely to be back in the league. But there's definitely some guys there, and I think, too, this is a young team. There's only four 19-year-olds. A guy like Logan Camp, who's on the third line, very reliable, and has actually showed a little bit of offensive spunk. Lately, you're going to get calls on him. Roman Rodzinski would be a great bottom pair guy on a contending team. But again, you have so few veterans on your roster that you probably need an overpayment to move guys just for the sake of moving them. But I'd say there's probably you know a good six or seven players at least they are going to get calls. Also, too, the other thing is you're looking at a team with two 17-year-old goaltenders. I don't think the team is in a hurry to make a decision on which one they want it to be the guy going forward. But, you know, if someone else out there is looking and saying, well, you know, the Eagles have two goalies, maybe they want to part with one and they really like one and they think they have a good offer. I'm sure they'll be calling on that too. But I think, you know, people are going to be mainly looking to see what the veterans fetch. And it's a Memorial Cup year too. That usually tends to inflate prices, but it's a little bit of a weird year too with all the parity in the league. So I'm sure there've been no shortage of discussions going on, but in Cape Breton, I know this will probably spoil some of the later conversation. It kind of started with Marc-Andre Dumont Jack Carrier's carried on is one thing the organization is pretty good at is holding its cards close. And usually for whatever reason, rumors and speculation tend to be slower uh, seeping out of our market. I think that's a good thing. It means the GMs are doing their job, but if I were to be a fly on the wall, I think there's probably a number of players that they're getting calls on. I didn't mean that in a bad way. I didn't mean like they, you guys didn't have any <laughs> players, right? You know, I, I, I meant it exactly how you, how you said it, you know, there'd have to be like a serious overpayment to trade someone like a Jeremy Langlois. Uh, sure. Or like a yeah, like a Connor Trenum, obviously that's the name that he didn't bring up. You know, but Connor Trenum, yeah. like to me, I think he's someone to be very loyal to the Eagles organization. Yeah. But if you yeah. get an overpayment for him, then it would make sense to uh, yeah. to, to make the deal, right? So sure. Just before before you go on regarding Trenum, that's a bit of a trickier one because. Trenholm is somebody who's attended NHL training camp, but he's also, you know, he hasn't been drafted and, and he's not a late birthday too. So I don't know if that would be a factor. Well, I guess if he got drafted, it'd still be the same principle, but you know, where he's maybe less likely to be in the pros early, I think it's still a possibility, but you know, he's somebody that you be more realistically see as a 20 year old, the organization came out and said, Gerard Shaw, that the team wanted to contend in 23, 24. And there is the possibility for both of those guys to be in the league, but Trenholm would be the mo- more likely of the two to be in the league. So that's something that you got to figure in. So again, there's, there's lots of long-term planning and logistics that go into those kind of decisions. So again, it'll be very fascinating to see how it plays out. 
So obviously, you know, we touched on the first half, not the best, and and, and the attendance has been down. Uh, you know, it's a tough year. It's a rebuild. Um, I personally think people are just staying at home to listen to your play-by-play call. Like well, you're, obviously. You're all, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. Um, so maybe pump your voice through the stadium. That might help. But uh, just what's the fans' appetite um, with having to go through another rebuild? Um, you know, coach, for whatever reason, leaves halfway through the first half. They know they're going to be sellers. Your smart fans know they're going to be sellers. Um, you know, Jeremy Francis had a great article what is the fans, I guess, temperature on another rebuild that's three, four years down the road? Cause you're in technically year two, just like we are. Yeah. I think it really, it kind of speaks to the unique nature of the major junior product because there's so many different types of fans. I personally know fans that they would be happy if the Eagles finished dead last six years in a row. And then the seventh year won the championship. That would be the greatest <laughs> thing for them. Yeah, yeah. There's other fans that, you know, they couldn't care less if the team ever wins the championship. They just want to go to center Twitter every night and see a good game. And the thing is, those are equally valid perspectives. There's not really a right or wrong answer to that. So that makes things a little bit tricky when you're building a junior hockey team. And obviously there's financial concerns. You want it to be a profitable business. Yeah. But I think the issue that the Eagles have right now is this is a team that has traditionally not had a lot of deep playoff success. You know, you look at the Maritime Division, four of the six teams have won the President's Cup. We never have. Charlottetown is the one other team that hasn't. And they've been to the third round three times since they did the rebrand to the Islanders. And I think what tends to happen is if you have a lack of championship success, team fans sometimes will overrate the day-to-day misery that they they've seen through the team. And it is true right now. The team is at the bottom end of the standings, but if you throw out the first four years of the Eagles, which were very formative years, which is another long podcast we could do some other time. <laughs> this is a team that has been over 500 for two thirds of its time in Cape Breton. Right. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a misnomer to say that the team is always losing. However, it's certainly very factually accurate to say that the team has come up short when it comes to getting, getting the ultimate prize. But what happens is when you don't have a championship banner in your rink during those rebuilding years, then it feels like you've been losing all the time, even if you haven't been. Whereas if St. John goes through a season, I know a stretch where they're losing three years in a row, they can look up and see, you know, the Memorial cup banner and whatnot. So where this gets to be difficult is, generally speaking to build towards a championship you've got to take a step back so the fans that are hoping for a rebuild to win a title they'll be happy with that but the ones that are upset with the current situation of losing a lot of games well that's probably not going to make them too happy yeah so i think there's a bit of unrest in that sense but a lot of the mood might be determined by what we see coming up at the trading period you know this is a year two or year one usually these things take a couple of years to get going depending on how you phrase it so the, the mood coming out of the trading period of the fan base might be even more interesting than what we're seeing now but yeah you're definitely right jeremy definitely got a lot of people talking so it'll be curious to see how the team reacts because you know there's there's a couple of different things at play and you know a trade market that could be interesting and we'll see how the fans react to it and see what the team does i'm glad we've touched on on, on jeremy frazier's article uh, and the whole rebuild, because you know, obviously, our, our good buddy uh, Andrew Barrington, that, that I know you know very well, super Pat, fan, super fan, Andrew yes. Barrington. Um, you know, he, he's he's uh, he feels that the the Eagles rebuild is is on a better track than uh, than Moncton. So um, let's. Uh, I, I'm not sure I can I can agree with him there, but uh, you know, uh, potato potato, if you want to put it that way. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, how do you, how do you see the the Eagles uh, lineup uh, look looking after uh, after the trade period? Is there, do you, do you see much much movement happening, or do you see kind of uh, 
Uh, are they going to stand pat? No pun intended. <laughs> this guy's good. Well, you're going to see some moves for sure. Like I said, I should uh, should know more later in the week after I talked to Jack. But I think you know the team wasn't hesitant to make trades last year, so yeah. I don't. I think it'll be the same this year. You know, it all depends on what the market is. But there, I'm sure there is a concern, and this is not a unique to Cape Breton thing. And this could be a growing concern in the post COVID days of the queue. Maybe teams will be more reluctant to sell because of attendance concerns, because everyone's taking a bath in terms of how many fans are in the building. But I think if you look at the team now, there's definitely some promising, you know, signs for the future. AFJ Buto was, is going to be a really strong defenseman in that 19 year old year that they're targeting for. And obviously you have a strong goaltender and presumably you have a second goaltender that you're going to move to get some more stuff. And, you know, Neil Perron, there's a lot of talk of everything, you know, with the situation with Tyler Peddle, but Neil Perron is going to be a very good defenseman in this league. I'm pretty sure. So there, there are some pieces there. I think the bigger concern would be when are you targeting for, and are you behind, you know, Moncton certainly has some pieces as well. Like you look at teams like Halifax, Drummondville, Gatineau that have a lot of high end talent, but you can't really gauge where the teams are going to be in a few years and to see what they, until you see what they do with their assets. So there is, there is the ability to accumulate more youth there and we'll see how that gets handled coming into the trading period. So right now, I think the jury is very much still out as to whether or not this team can be a, a contender, but I think that there's enough there to work with that they should be able to work up their way to that status. I guess the, uh, the final question I have for you, I mean, it, it we're going to tie it all into the coaching that we started this conversation with. Obviously, the GM makes a lot of moves, builds the team, the coach coaches the team. When you don't really have a coach and a clear vision, is there a scenario where Cape Breton is a lot like Halifax that just kind of stands pat and waits to see at the draft when they get a new coaching staff or midway through Christmas allows a coach to see what he's got? Um, is there is there a scenario where they just stand pat, as Jeremy put it, uh, <laughs> a la Halifax and just kind of you know see what they have in terms of of a coach and a vision and, and get on the same board as, as a general managers or just kind of a, Hey, I need to get pieces to, to give the new coach, uh, whoever and whomever it is, uh, you know, the right, uh, pieces to add at the draft. Yeah, both possible for sure. And I guess without a permanent head coach in place, maybe gives the GM more, kind of a total control, so to speak of the direction, you know, obviously right. the GM is above the head coach, but in this case, you know, you're not even really getting input. I'm, I'm sure Matt <laughs> Anthony and Chris Colgan and John Hannah will have their say and whatnot, but Jack Carrier is the one that's uh, kind of steering the ship. So the other thing to remember too, you know, it's not a mandatory rule that you've got to sell your star players. I mean, no, Justin no. Barron finished the year in Halifax last yeah. year mm-hmm. and you know, the Mooseheads are you know having a pretty good year this year. So there is precedent. There is value to your players, staying around and, you know, instilling values in their younger players on the team and, you know, being in competitive games, like in Cape Breton, the last couple of games, we've seen, seen Sean LaRochelle paired up with Emile Perron. You know, how much is that going to improve Perron's development? And if somebody calls, you know, looking for Sean LaRochelle at the trade deadline and they offer you this and that, and you're like, well, that's good. But, you know, how much is, you know, Emile Perron going to be better, you know, with, with him getting that guidance from Sean LaRochelle, right? That's yeah. just one example. And you see that in the queue all the time. So that's something that has to be weighed. And as you said, the coaching is definitely something that could influence that decision. So there's, as I said before, more, more questions than answers. And, you know, the Q trade period always seems to have some surprises too. So I don't know how long it's going to take to get going once things open up, but Cape Breton, you know, we probably one of the teams people are interested in watching to see what we do. Yeah, that's uh you're, you're bang on. I mean, we got a guy here and Anthony Hamel could be dealt, but he's also been with ISNs all year and, helping his development. So it'd be interesting to see if Richie gets his price. So, um, yeah, I think everyone's waiting for that first, uh, Elliot Denoyer 
domino to fall and right. see what happens after that. And that well, domino that, can't even fall to the end of the World Juniors. Yeah, exactly. So, so. This, you know, things well, have got to happen before. It's a funny before. feeling if, he's, if there's a deal to, to trade and we'll, we'll probably hear about it beforehand. No, we don't hear about leaks anymore. Yeah, yeah no, we... <laughs> Yeah, we do. Yeah, we'll hear we'll hear about it for sure. Hey, Pat, thanks for joining us on the uh, the Christmas trade period roundtable. Um, we appreciate any time you're able to give us some uh, some of your valuable valuable time. Well, probably time might be more valuable than insight in this particular <laughs> case because I think in this case nobody really knows anything. But hey, that's part of the fun. So we'll <laughs> we'll uh, sit back, make some popcorn, and see how it all plays out. Perfect. All right, Pat, you have a good night. All right, thanks, guys. All right, we did it. We made it through the mega uh, roundtable on this episode, uh, so we'll kind of quickly go through things. Obviously, Denoyer, like I said, is the first domino to fall, but he doesn't fall till January January sixth or whatever when the tournament that random Thursday night. Remember when the tournament used to end on a Sunday or a Saturday? Oh, okay. So, no, this one would be January third, right? Is it January third? I think so. Is it? Uh, is that accurate? Yeah, January third. Okay. Anyway, third or fourth? Oh, I think the trading period ends on the the Thursday, the sixth. According to Max, anyways, that's kind of the first domino to fall, but we're waiting for it. We're waiting for it. And so you're going to have all these other deals, like, you know, Mm -hmm. seven buyers this year. Yeah. Seven buyers. That's, you know, that's, uh, oof, that's almost 50%, right? So that's going to be, it's going to be a wild, uh, be a wild trade period. Um, I understand there's six obvious buyers and one surprise buyer, as what I've been told. Islanders, Quebec, St. John, Bathurst, Sherbrooke, Schwinnigan, that's my six, and then Gatineau? I guess if you want to... I, I, As a I, surprise? I, like, I, you touched I, on it last week when I said... I don't you know, know if they'll buy. They might, um, you know, they might make some moves, but they're. I think they're going for next year. The moderate buyer? Uh, the, but uh, apparently there's a surprise, surprise buyer. Oh. That uh, will surprise uh, a lot of people, and um, from my understanding, is that uh, one of the uh, I guess um, highly sought after defensemen will be traded to this uh, surprise buying team. Pecomo? No, <laughs> no. Um, so, Obviously, it's the team down the road from Wildcat Studios, right? Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Just planting so, seeds. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, yeah, well, uh, this is going to be fun. I'm surprised Pat was able to join us. And uh, my my guess is he he, he would have been at the uh, Rogers hometown hockey event yeah. at the Center 200. But uh, we're grateful he was uh, able to join us. And uh, wait, he was there and didn't even bring Ron on with him. Well, Rotten Ronnie was uh, probably busy uh, chatting with some. Uh, yeah, uh, Rotten. We Ron. only had a certain time limit too. Yeah, you get exactly. Ron McLean going, and and away we go. All right, you want to get uh, to everyone's favorite part of the show? We Eric Murray, realtor, buy our house from him. Stick tap of the week. <laughs> Still cracks me up every time. Um, yeah, so I'll, um, I don't like to, you know, I like I don't like to give it to players or anything like that, but. Uh, I do need to recognize uh, the stick tap of the week. So I'm going to give this one to uh, Nick Sheehan. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, played, paid his dues uh, last year uh, and then, you know, unfortunately didn't get his, uh, uh, didn't make the team uh, out of training camp. So, you know, went to Edmiston, played really well, and, um, you know, Richie was able to find a spot for him. Uh, traded to Blainville. Um Went there and uh, I believe he played s- Sunday against uh, the league leading 
Sherbrooke Phoenix. Yep. And uh, led them to a, a 3-2 victory in overtime. So, uh, and if, you know, he, that save he made, uh, that was the uh, QMJHL save of the night on, on uh, well, it was out on Monday, but it would have <laughs> happened on Sunday in that game. Wow. Um, absolutely robbed Ethan Gauthier um, for save of the night. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is a, this is obviously a kid who's, uh, I said, paid his dues. Finally, seems to have found a spot to play, yeah. And uh, he 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 deserves it. So uh, he's uh, he's got a great uh, a great future, I think, ahead of him. And uh, hopefully, with his uh, this opportunity in Blaineville, it's uh, it's what puts him over the top. Funny because he was still wearing his Wildcats helmet um, and gear and gear. One of yep. the best looking gears in the. I always said yep. somebody should put. Moncton City on that, or the cat, and sure enough, he did. Yeah. Good looking gear, bro. Yeah, so uh, looked good uh, skating down the ice in that uh, celebration <laughs> in a Wildcats mask. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I want to give this one to uh, to Nick Sheehan because uh, he deserves it. And you know, people will say that we picked him too early in the draft and only got an eight round pick, but you know, goalies are so hard to project, right? Yeah. And uh, you could end up with a uh, a first round uh, goaltender that doesn't pan out. Uh, or you could end up with a 12th round pick that ends up being your starting goaltender. Yep. Uh, goalies are so hard to uh, to project, and he's uh, I think he's someone that he's he's got uh, he he's got a a future in this league, and hopefully this uh, the opportunity in Blainville is, is is what gets him the uh, gets him the job for sure. The stick tap of the week sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. All right, that brings us to the Rosemary Lynn Massage Wildcast Wildcat of the Week. She's back for another year. Uh, the Having a very special discount, 15% off for all healthcare workers and first responders. Just go to rosemarylynnmassage.business.site. Download the coupon for about another two weeks or so till January 1st, 2022. And if you want to have a massage, just give her a call at 506 830 Twelve twenty-four. This goes to a player that uh, have a rookie of the year last year. He's turned into quite the shutdown defender. Um, he had two goals in the game against the Gold Diggers. <laughs> this kills me. Uh, had two goals against uh, Valdor. Um, you know he's found quite a niche with uh, with Jake Stewart and, and Nicholas Pavin. They've turned into quite a shutdown line. Um, he's a great penalty killer. Rookie of the year last year, and we you know Richie said it all the time. Whether you're an eleventh round pick or a second round pick, come in, put the work in, you'll be rewarded, uh, and that's exactly what I'm about to do. Your Rosemary Lynn Wildcast Wildcat of the week is number twelve, Alexi Daniel. Uh, that's it for us on this smaller mega episode. Uh, that'll do it for us. We want to thank Pat, Gareth, Jamie to talk about the Eagles, Moose, and Sea Dogs respectively uh, to discuss both the first half and the trade outlook of our division rivals. And next week is the big one, folks. Next week's going to be hot. Yes, it is the mega Christmas episode. It's too big for one, so we're going to have part one. We're going to recap the first half. We're going to look into the Wildcats trade period. We're going to look into the second half. We're going to give our thoughts on kind of the awards that we talked about earlier in the preseason and how we feel about those uh, those awards. And, uh, and then the part two, uh, I have two guests that I'm working on. I've got one lined up. You are not going to want to miss it. Uh, I got the second one. I got to reach back out to him. And uh, don't forget, on the first episode, Johnny Rocket will join us to discuss Bathurst trade outlook. Uh, as well, we're going to put him to the test with some of the Quebec teams. 
Um, and maybe he can tell us who the surprise team that uh, Jeremy was talking about. So um, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. It is going to be a two-parter, and it is going to be huge. Uh, don't forget, three games this week, uh, two on the road, and the final one before the Christmas break trade period versus the Mooseheads on Saturday. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.